I'm Tom. Uh, what's up, guys? I'm Justin. I'm uh, fishing. I, I'm fi I go fishing a lot. Oh, what's up? It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. All right, guys. I know. I'm, it's a cheap gag. Big shout to Justin and Tom, my esteemed colleagues. They are not here. I did not pull a fast one on you guys um, with my vocal wizardry just now. Uh, this is completely much like my love life um, today. The intro, I will be alone due to uh, mistakes of my own uh, making completely. Enough kidding. All joking aside, uh, big shout to Justin and Tom. I had a kind of a schedule conflict um, this week, and one of the bands I was supposed to interview, believe it or not, I have now, for the first time in heavy hole history, being completely transparent with you, the listener, I have canceled on an artist not once, not twice, but three unprofessionally ignorant times um, that I have to email this guest and beg their patience and forgiveness. They have granted me uh, a fourth opportunity to interview them next week, and all will be revealed. Um, and I'll tell you how I have perfectly reasonable excuses for canceling on that guest twice and um, a completely stupid reason for canceling on them the third time. And um, we'll get to that another time. But So I'm, I'm in comfort mode right now. Um, everything, you know, I'm all alone here. I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm eating Cozy Shack pudding. Uh, I lit my Yankee candle. It's fresh linen scent. Um, and I'm just just trying to recoup from from the weekend and just just trying to just trying to center myself. We had a, we had our first reeking aura show yesterday. It's just no one asked me how my weekend was. I'm just gonna go there. It was actually on a Wednesday. Um, but big shout to Ed Farsity, um, classic uh, uh, long running New York City promoter, um, the heart of uh, a, a certain generation of the New York City metal scene for sure out here. Uh, gave us the opportunity. To perform, we opened up for Hierarchy, local Long Island guys uh, making waves out there, and also Narcotic Wasteland, um, we, which kind of stole the show for me, and Malevolent Creation uh, veterans. So um, really, really great show last night. Just happy to be part of it, man. Um, I would have enjoyed the show had I not even performed and, and all that, obviously, man. So it was great to see those bands and catch up with old friends. Um, and big shout to Chris. Uh, who, who who flew out for the show. I believe he was trying to see Replicant tonight, too, and I just saw online, unfortunately, Replicant had to drop off of that tour for a few dates or, or something. Um, but big shout to Chris uh, flying out to, to, to catch um, uh, a Reeking Aura last night, man, and hanging with us. I actually, another, um, believe it or not, I... He ordered a shirt from Buckshot Facelift, and we agreed to just bring it to the show since he was flying out, and I forgot to bring it, man. We are just, I yeah, I got a lot going on. I don't know, man. Everything's stupid right now, but I'm going to sit back. Um, I'm going to eat this cozy shack pudding and just, just try to comfort myself a little bit from everything that's going on. It's a little crazy now, and I think I'm going to have to give my friend, an old friend of mine, a phone call later who always lifts my spirits. We're going to talk to none other than Nick Louisi. All right, enough kidding around, tough guy of the band Funeral Dancer, uh, also of Blame God and Child Bride. You might re you might remember him from his work in Locus Mortis, classic Long Island death metal band, False Gods, uh, even Surgical Strike. If we go back far enough, I want to talk about all this um, with this esteemed young man that uh, I've come to know over the years, and I want to introduce you to man. Get Nick on the phone. Oh, there's, there's nobody else here.
saw Surgical Strike back in the day? Check, 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 check. I... Uh, no, I've never seen Surgical Strike, to be honest with you, man. I wish I did. They're, they're not still around, right, without you? Nah. Yo, I think we actually played a show together at Evenflow, though, for um, Tom McCarthy Fest, Obnoxious oh. Noise Fest. So what, it would have been Artificial Brain playing it? Yeah, we were the openers. Like, I don't I don't blame you. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Now, now I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surgical Strike opened that. Okay, man. You're, we're on you're the absolutely flyer, right. Brother. Yeah, that's why I remember. Okay, man. So we did play a show together. Yeah, that's right. Because that was what? Two, Surgical Strike was what? 2013? It was 2014 was the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's there's de the demo. There's tracks available on YouTube. And there's like videos available on YouTube. Of what? Surgical Strike from back no in the shit. day. I was just checking it all out today. Yeah, man. Oh, damn. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. didn't even know that. The, yeah, the listeners should check it out, man. Yeah, I'm uh, actually I'm recording, and I usually do this whole intro, man. But I, I like that, man. I, I think we should keep that, dude. Absolutely, yeah. All right, yeah, man. I think it's cool. It's like raw. It's like we're just talking, and like they're just getting it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and for the listeners, uh, I'm here with Nick Luizzi. All right, um, Long Island in the building of uh, funeral dancer. Um, also blame God. And we're going to get into the other projects he, he's currently, uh, engaged in and has been in all that. Right. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Dude, man. Fucking awesome to be talking to you. I haven't seen you in like fucking a year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think I saw you real quick at a show, man. Like, like it was like, it was like a quick in and out, but, um, yeah, it's been a long time, man. And a lot has changed. Um, uh, it's hard to keep up with you and some of your bands and all that. So, so we're going to, uh, you know, we were just talking behind the scenes about Surgical Strike, but we got to go back e even further than that. Um, uh, and Nick, you're from a, a, a slightly younger generation than me on Long Island, so this will be interesting. But the first heavy hole question we always go with, are you from a musical family? Are there musicians in your family or anyone in your upbringing that steered you, steered you to uh, hard rock and heavy metal music? Oh, shit. That's a great uh, intro because that really is where it all starts, right? Is from fucking home, like the family and shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, my dad is a guitar player, and uh, he's a blues guitar player, and so is my uncle too. His brother. They're both blues guitar players. Hmm. Um, and uh, so I just grew up on like fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan and BB King and Muddy Waters and all that shit. It's crazy because like I love that shit now, but when I was a kid, I uh, <laughs> I like totally didn't get it. Because I was into like rock and stuff. So I was always like, oh, this shit's like too slow. And like, I just didn't understand it, you know? But but now I'm like, I love the blues. I realized that like rock and roll comes from the blues. But not even that. I just like it because I, I like the guitar solos and shit like that. Wow. Okay. So th there, there's a lot there then. Um, so your dad and other members of the family are like active performing musicians uh, from before you're even born. My uncle Tony used to play with the Muddy Waters band. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so I mean, you must just have memories from before you remember of of maybe live music or at least people playing instruments around you. Yeah, I used to go to my dad's shows at like the Nautical Mile in Freeport. You been there? Yes, the Nautical Mile in Freeport. For the listeners, um, that's a very famous Long Island kind of tourist attraction and uh, type of type of spot. You know. Yeah, it's like a little strip in Freeport. Like, it's like a mile, and they got a bunch of bars and seafood and stuff, mm -hmm. and, like, live music and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. Wow, okay, man, that's cool. So, um... Uh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. 
but since you said that, I, I have to say, I don't remember it because I was in the womb. I was my mother was <laughs> pregnant with me at Jones Beach, but they were at a buddy guy show and mm. fucking buddy guy came up to to the exact spot. My my parents were sitting and was doing his like uh, he has like the wireless cable. So he like walks around and shit. That's his like shtick. He does it like every show. And apparently, so they say. He went right up to my mom's pregnant belly and was playing a guitar solo to it for like a minute. <laughs> Walked away. So like my dad and all his friends always love to tell me that. Okay. All right, man. This is this is this is a pretty big setup so far. I like this, man. Um <laughs> Wow. So, all right. So you're so obviously you're a little kid. Music's all around. This is this is a big deal. Um, I mean, were you playing a musical instrument? Did you like always have one in your hands, even? And like, it wasn't even a like like. Is there's not even like a point to ask you when you first picked up guitar, right? Yeah, it's it's like it's like three. I would say two or three or four years old, sometime around there. Huh. Because yeah, we'd always have guitars in the house because of my dad and his band would practice in the garage too. Okay. We used to live in Freeport and yeah, we had a big garage. Everyone would leave their gear there. So I, I even had access to the drums too. So it was pretty cool. I, I gotta say, thank you, dad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and what are we talking here now? Cause you're, you're younger than me, Nick. So we're talking what nineties. I was born in 97, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're... Really, yeah, like, even, like, kind of, like, early 2000s. Wow, okay, because so, um, I'm thinking of the Long Island music scene and all that sort of thing, but it's actually, like, your dad might have performed at maybe the Downtown or the Crazy Donkey out here by me or something like that. Mm, I don't know about Crazy Donkey, but... Okay, well, I'm just making the point, like, venues that, that, have, been, that have been around that some of our listeners might know... Um, or, or, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you where your dad performed, but I, you know, I'm just make, <laughs> making the point. It's a little bit more modern, man. Cause a lot of times we talk about like the Roxy and all this sort of stuff that went down in the eighties with some of the older guests. But, um, have you performed at any venues that members of your family performed at back in the day? That's a good question. Um, to be honest, I don't think so. Cause yeah, there's just like different. Like he he like he would play shows at places where like we totally would not play shows at. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 random bars, and we play shows at random bars too. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know how to really. Just more like regular people places. They, I don't know how to. I don't even know. Just like, not even that really. Will it's just like fucking like different places you would play at well it is kind of it's like regular people places and de and then you play death metal shows and things like that i you know that's kind of i i understand that and then getting into that as you as you're getting older when as a kid do you start discovering uh extreme music and is that is that something that's encouraged or is it maybe in a way like rebelling against um uh this more like conventional music that that your family is doing that we 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 have to thank Mr. Uh, Nicholas Hans Winkler for for the extreme music. We'll get into that in a little bit. Shout, he is responsible for that. Shout to Nick Winkler, and and I do want to get Nick on for his own episode uh, eventually too, man. Big shout to him. So yeah, proceed, proceed. That would be a great episode. That would be amazing. I know, I know. Uh, so it was definitely rebellious against the music I was hearing. 
but it wasn't rebellious to like my parents. They totally support it as much as my mom doesn't really, you know, she doesn't really get down with like the death metal so much. She, she doesn't, she never told me to like not do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, was there like maybe, um, uh, like did you, what was your dad's reaction to like more extreme music as you got older? I don't think he was surprised because my dad also likes rock and roll. Like he, Mm -hmm. he loves Sabbath and, uh, Pink Floyd and, uh, and uh, like ZZ Top, just like you, you were telling me, you and your dad went to the ZZ Top show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my dad's all about that shit too, which yeah. is awesome because so am I. If, you know, in the beginning, it was like Black Sabbath, Kiss, uh, like Aerosmith, stuff like that. Of Ozzy. Course. Of course, man. Well, then let me ask you for for because you guys are like I keep saying. Um, uh, I don't want to you know uh, beat it to death, but you you know you're from a different generation. What for you guys was like the the really um the more subversive underground stuff, whether it's punk, hardcore, death metal, black metal. Like, when do you guys start really discovering stuff that's beyond Ozzy and uh, Black Sabbath, and you know maybe even a little bit more than Slayer or Pantera? When do you start getting into the stuff that that you're like, wow, there's this whole new world out there? You know, the generational thing does have a lot to do with it because we were playing games like Guitar Hero and mm-hmm. Tony Hawk's like Underground 2 and like Pro Skater and all that stuff. And man, that man really knows how to pick the fucking music. And so do the guys at Guitar Hero. Because like every song in the game is good in both of those games, even if it's not a genre I particularly like, like like pop emo type stuff like every like every song in the game is good no matter what and uh you know i forget exactly what the question was well no i was just like what are the what are some of the first bands you get into that are oh, you know yes like, black uh, metal black metal yeah. because there was no black metal in guitar hero there was slayer and you know there really wasn't a lot of death metal either actually now that i'm thinking about it uh so okay so here's Here's what happened. I met Johnny Girak in high mm-hmm. school, and he introduced me to Nick Winkler, who was trying to form a band that needed a guitar player. So I went and auditioned. I had my fucking parents, my mom drive me to Massapequa, mm-hmm. and uh, I fucking got the part, right? So we started this band, and and at that time, I was only listening to, like, thrash metal was, like, the heaviest I wasn't into death metal yet. I was like one of those kids that are like, eh, I don't really like the vocals. <laughs> My little brother's like that now. But um, but then Winkler was lending me a bunch of CDs of like Demolition Hammer and Death and Obituary and like Mayhem and shit. Wow. You know, showing me the ropes. So that that kind of stuff is is what is what was like the next level for me. Cause there was a time where I like heard death metal and I was like, I don't really think i like it but then i you know i obviously i came around wow so it's fair to is it is it fair to say nick winkler was um an elite teenager an elite metalhead of a teenager oh yeah wow That's, yeah yeah he he knew it he knew a he knew so much more music than <laughs> that sounds about right awesome shout yeah shout out to him we'll get him on event we, we, we want to hear about his cd collection in high school eventually um, but so I feel like, like I'm, I'm thinking about your age is like right around there is, you know, is, when do you, is surgical strike after this, 
band that you joined with them or before? Like, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Surgical Strike was after the band that I formed with Nick Winkler. The band that I formed. Well, I, I can't even say I formed it. The band that Nick Winkler formed with me was called Evisceration. Nice. And OK, we never we never like recorded anything. But we played a bunch of shows at like the Zebra Club and, and places like that. And the it was a lot of fun. The Zebra. For suffocation, too. And Cataclysm. Wow, evisceration! Was, this the, a big deal for us. The Zebra That's Club in, in in Copeg, right? Oh yeah, I, I love that place. Or I used to. It's not still open, is it? Nah. Yeah, that was that was a that was an era right there. I remember that man. That was that was an era. That was the, I, they had uh, some great locals uh, that hung around there for for the metal shows. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> but. All right, so so evisceration. You opened up for suffocation and cataclysm. That's also pretty big too, because I mean, there was there like obviously those bands played out here, but it wasn't a huge era for death metal on Long Island, right there, right? I I like honestly wouldn't even really know. Well, at the time, I wouldn't know mm-hmm. because it was all so new to me. Yeah, like, I will. To- to be honest, yo, it's it's like kind of like a little, almost a little embarrassing. I'm not embarrassed <laughs> really because I was just a kid, but like I didn't even really know any Suffocation songs. Yeah, when I was opening for Suffocation, I got into them way later. Yeah, well, that, that's that's a common misconception that people born on Long Island know every Suffocation riff like on upon birth. Oh well, you now know. I do. Yeah, we. Have, yeah, it's not upon birth. That's yeah, the, that's the misconception. Yeah, it's we not have upon birth. Yeah, you have to learn it like like a religious uh, scroll. But um, uh, yes, yeah, no, I, I asked you that because I wanted your perspective on it. But I remember it as as a time that was a bit of a downturn. Um, you know, when like more metalcore and stuff was kind of still doing their thing, and it, before this current era where like metal is at a, a total peak, extreme death metal and every like is common now. You know, it's uh, it's, it's almost like normal shit for a lot of kids. Um, yeah. Uh, so then let's get into Surgical Strike. Like, does that kind of come naturally next? Yeah, that was my second band ever. Mm. Yeah. So that was like to to explain it. Uh, like the quickest way possible uh wink winkler and like the other bandmates in that band really wanted to do the death metal thing and at the time they, they like totally got me into it i was down but i still was like itching to do like a thrash metal band like like sodom and creator and all that kind of stuff so that's where that's that's why that happened is because i didn't get to have my thrash metal fill huh. with evisceration Okay, it's well, it's it's really cool shit. It's I recommend the listeners. I know it's on YouTube at least. Um, if there's if you can't find that anywhere else, um, and then the name is is that isn't that a Queensrÿche song? Is it a Queensrÿche song? Uh, now, I don't know. Now now I'm bugging, man, because now now the listeners are gonna think I'm stupid if it's not. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna look it up. I'm trying to look it up too. We could ed- we could edit this part if I sounded dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, actually. It is, but we didn't get it from that. Really? Do you remember where you got it from? Yeah, I think my friend's brother just made it up. Uh, or did he? <laughs> or exactly, he yeah. probably saw it somewhere. Yeah, who knows, man? Well, it's all good. Um, so, all right, man. So we're going through like the the mid two, you know, two. I guess we're in the 2000 teens now. Surgical strike. What? And then what happens there? I guess the you know you guys kind of you you played played a few shows at least, and then you moved on to uh what locust mortis 
Yeah, that was that was the next one. Where does let me ask you this? Where does carcinogen fit into all this timeline? <laughs> they they fit in the beginning onto throughout Surgical Strike, and then they kind of broke up in the middle of Locus Mortis time. Okay, but you you know this? They were fucking like. We were a bunch of little kids, so to, so them they were like the cool kids, because because they were good, and they were like the death thrash stuff. They were good, man. Yeah, and they were cool too. They were very nice to us. They were they were awesome. Because Johnny lived, you know, down the block from me, and fucking all the other guys, Dave and uh, and uh, Charlie, they were all fucking really cool to us. Uh, yeah, and wasn't wasn't Devin in Carcinogen at some point? No, nah. I'm thinking of something. Maybe I'm thinking of Morthra, or that was around at the, back in the day. I don't know, man. There was a lot of bands. All right, yeah, you got to forgive me with that. That's um, right. Devin is the type of dude who would be in Mothra because he's like a stoner doom human being. But nah, he wasn't in it. Okay, man. Well, Devin's got to forgive me too, man. He's been on the podcast, by the way, for the listeners. I think this is your actual second time on the podcast, Nick. I think you and Devin at the very last Locust Mortis show. At St. Vitus, talk to us in the basement. It was, it was, is that right? Oh, shit. I think that was actually Devin and Winkler, possibly. Devin I don't and, even remember. Devin Maybe I was there. I got to go back to um to the episodes. Regardless, man. All right, so uh, I'm I'm living in the past right now, bringing up carcinogen. I'm reminiscing on a memory here about carcinogen and all this sort of thing. But I associate all you guys together because you guys were kind of from a similar area, and Johnny was in that. Uh, take me through Locust Mortis, because for the listeners, if they're not um, indoctrinated with, with uh, uh, Long Island death metal um, history in this era, Locust Mortis is a very important band for the 2000 teens. You guys did play out and get outside of Long Island and play a lot of shows and get your material out there. And um, I, it, um, I just want to give a, a nice history of how the band starts and get into that. Okay. That's really nice of you to say that we're important. Yeah, yeah, man. Don't let it go to your head, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. It's like, yo, sometimes like there, like we we had we kind of had like a bunch of songs at the end that we never recorded, and I and I think about them a lot, and it's sad because I wish that they existed for for like people to listen to. Yeah, I know the feeling. That's how I feel about um, uh, uh, Biolich, the band Biolich, man. Obviously, that band broke up under uh, crazy circumstances, but um, uh, we had we did have an album written that at one point, and that album was never recorded. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of people probably in the you know who have that 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 ghost album in their mind. But um, man, imagine how much music is out there, and when I say out there, I mean like in the the realm of existence, but not on physical existence. There's probably so much music that we would love that just isn't released, and it's in humans' brains. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, don't, don't get me started on brains, but um, uh, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 uh, we'll talk about um, Locust Mortis. Now, I'm, I'm going back though because you guys, it, it's like I, you know, in my mind, I thought you guys had more releases, but in reality, um, you left with uh, the. Shit, I'm trying to look you guys up now, and I got some some uh, black metal band from Sardinia, man. That's that's my fault. Oh, really? Is is it the Italian one? Because they're we totally ripped the name off of them. <laughs> I don't know. We could edit that part out, though. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't even care. It's it's fine because if you look it up on Metal Archives, you're just gonna go right to it. It's all good. 
but there was only two Locus Mortis releases. There was the demo that I played drums on, and then there was the EP that Sam played drums on. Funeral Hymn, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I want to get into that because um, one of our uh, questions, we I do have a few like listener uh, submitted questions for you, and the first one that uh, is kind of relevant to this conversation, you just kind of segued us for it. Shout out to Terrell Granham from uh, my my own band's Buckshot hey. Facelift, yeah, and um, Thetis, Thetis, and and Reeking Aura. He asked, was the decision to play drums for Locus Mortis one based in necessity, or did he start the band with the intention of being the primary drummer? I didn't start the band. I was actually like the last missing link that they needed. Okay. Because at first we were just a four piece. There was only one guitar player, um, a vocalist and a bass player. And, and those guys were like, like my best friends. And they still are most of them. And fucking, they needed a drummer. And I don't know why they asked me to do it. But I was like, fuck yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> and I just like fucking did it. So, and I loved it. I have dreams about playing drums. I fucking really miss it. Well, you talked about having access to a drum kit as a kid. Had that whole time you been at least playing drums here and there, like, or did you have to go through a process of learning how to play drums for Locus Mortis? I had to learn how to play drums for Locus Mortis, but. But I, I had the idea, like, how do I say it? I, I, I knew how to do a blast beat. So it wasn't, like, I just had to, I knew how it was performed. I just had to do it physically, which took a little bit of practice, but not much. It was fun, man. But, uh, you know, in, like, middle school, uh, me and my friend would always jam and we'd, we'd switch back and forth. We'd always want to hop on the drum set. So we'd always switch back and forth. And I think that definitely helped get my chops up on the drums. Okay. Like playing like Nirvana songs and shit. Yeah. Was it intimidating? Because you had already been on stage and in a few bands playing guitar. Was it intimidating to get on stage and do drums in a band? Honestly, no, because I would get to chill in the back and just do my thing awesome. it was fun man it. it was nothing but fun i loved it it was sweaty and it was a good workout i was it kept me in shape okay it's man awesome. that's the right attitude i like it man what tell me about um uh you guys did did leave long island you did tell one story um i think i don't i'm not you specific i think it might have been uh johnny telling a story was somebody told a story about um, somebody pissing on the side of the the interstate or something. I don't know. Uh, once, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that. Yeah, if you go back uh, and 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 look for Locus Mortis stories in the, the beginning of our podcast, you can find uh, that one from a long time ago. But um, what I what I'm trying to get at is your stories of leaving Long Island or uh, even New York State with that band because you guys were younger, man. What kind of shows did you play? Did you get out there much? Because I, I, in my mind, I thought you did. We got out there a little bit. We toured with Pink Mass. Yes which was Sam was playing drums for them and for us. So he was doing double duty every night, but what else is new? He still does that all the time. He loves it. You know that. Oh yeah. He's and, in like two band, two or three bands with me. I can't, I'll, I'll count later. Yeah. And, uh, same <laughs> and fucking, um, uh, yeah, we, we did like the first show of that tour was at, uh, 
Century, Century Bar in Philly. Have you played there? Yes. Yeah, I have played yeah. there, man. Yeah, yeah, everyone's played there. Yeah, the place is All awesome. Right. Yeah, but yeah, the bartender was a, was a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, they're they're cool. And we played in like I want to say like we did a Connecticut day, a Jersey day. Uh, we we went to fucking New Hampshire too, I think. New Hampshire with Pink Mass, interesting. Uh, maybe not, maybe not that one. I might be thinking of a different tour. Well, we went to Massachusetts. We definitely went to Massachusetts. Well, well, let me ask you this because for the listeners who don't know, and I'd love to get Josh, uh, formerly of Pink Mass, on on the podcast eventually too. Man, so many people and so little, so little time to do these interviews. Um, but Pink Mass was a, a notorious kind of infamous band from New Jersey that had a, um, a very very disturbing bondage kind of like over the top bondage black metal live image gimmick that was i mean and it and it, it was more than just um an image it was a sensory assault it was there was a scent. it was a stench there was a scent yeah yes i would call it a stench well so you guys are locust mortis you're a death metal black metal but you know i'm not going to label you but i'm just making the point you're more of a um you're more of a regular band in terms of image and 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 smell um compared to pink Mist. what was it like doing a little tour in smaller venues with a band like that and getting to watch like like you know i mean you got to see the reaction from staff i'm sure and even the crowd and like well you know what was it like kind of just being the tagging along with them i just want to say that their their smell totally added to the show and <laughs> it would not be the same without it because they had their fucking leather outfits in this bag or this like tub that they carried around to every show and you know when you're playing a show you're just sweating a lot and they didn't wash them and it's just but and but then being pink mass it just added to it the stinky smell they it followed them it was it was just kind of cool in a way Ugh. i don't know how to say that but that it sounded weird but <laughs> did not smell good but it but it almost kind of smelled good but uh, no, following them was sick because they, they were also really fucking nice. And the fact that they wanted us to open was like an honor in a way. And uh, mm. not to sound like fucking, you know, whatever, but. Yeah, no, not, look, great guys, uh, interesting great bands, guys. disgusting gimmick. I think they would agree. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the whole that's the whole <laughs> point. Yeah. I, yeah. No, no, you, know, the- you know, Jeremy. Of course, yeah. Jer- Jeremy's a great guy. Yeah, I- I've known great those guys guy. for a he while. He had this gimmick where he would kick you in the balls if you were standing in in the front row. Yikes! Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Those guys did some impressive uh, pro wrestling type of work in mosh pits. I've seen over the years, back in the day. They're 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 probably closer to my age. We used to Buckshot Facelift played with them when they were in the Unmen. Few, I think oh. I know. Yeah, but way way. I mean, yeah, that's that's hazy memories for me at the at the the Rockstar Bar. Um, in Brooklyn, that's going way back. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, I don't even. Know yeah, that yeah, yeah. If, if you know, you know. With the mermaid on the wall. Um, yeah, that, I love those guys, all yeah. of them, everyone in Pink Mass. I, I love them. Blame God is actually playing a show with them in like June. It's like it's their first show in four years, actually. At Pink Mass. Yeah, they're back. They're back. Hide your kids. Wow. All right. Hide your kids. Hide yeah. your wife. Yeah. Well, do you have the date on that? I do, I do. All right. It is. It's also with this band called Crippler. It's the I don't know you know Schlack the wrestler. Oh wow, yeah. This is a this is a walk down memory lane, man. Yeah. It's with his band. 
two. It's June 18th. June 18th. At Gold Sounds. June 18th at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so June 18th at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn, the uh, the alleged rumored return of Pink Mass. Um, bring your uh, your what um, the hand sanitizer. Uh, and and blame God, I want to get into, but we're still kind of in locus mortis territory here. And you mentioned before how on the second release, funeral hymns, uh, Sam Sherrick comes in on drums, right? That's right. So you switched to guitar. Like what? What's the like? Like Terrell was asking, what's what's the deal there? Did you was it a necessity that you that you take up guitar now, or you know how how did that work out? Yo, I fucking love Terrell, man. Thetis played at Vitus last night, and I'm so pissed I couldn't go because Thetis is one of my favorite fucking Long Island bands, man. I appreciate that you credit them as a Long Island band because <laughs> I, well, well, I do too. Well, Terrell doesn't live on Long Island anymore, right? Well, Ter- well, Terrell's from Brooklyn, but um, yeah. but Jimmy, uh, their original uh, bass player from, bass player, yeah, from the. The first incarnation of the band, Jimmy, was from Long Island. So if if any band has somebody who was once from Long Island uh, in the band, they're a long. Death is a Long Island band to me because uh, yeah, Chuck. yeah, Chuck was born, uh, I, b- I believe, in Plainview, Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. So Death is a Long Island band. But uh, regardless, um, yeah, shout so their to drummer, their drummer Nick lives upstate, right? Yeah, I think most. Yeah, I think Nick lives upstate. I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure where. Where but I think where Corey's from. I think most of those guys are from like upstate or or the city. Um, yeah, you're but, right. You're right. You know whether or not Long Island or what they're one of the best New York bands. They've played Long Island as much as Long Island bands, though. That's I got to give them credit. They have trucked out here as much as a band that is from Suffolk County. So that's that's why I'm saying it. That's yeah. why I get confused. I, honorary I honorary Long Island boys in Thetis, man. Um, but but like like Terrell was saying, though, man, uh, with Locus Mortis, um, why why the switch to guitar on your second release, uh, Funeral Hymns? Um, really, just to do the guitar harmonies live. Mm-hmm. When there's two guitar parts, we wanted to have it live, and at the time, I wasn't playing guitar in a band, and part of me wanted to and looking back at it i i you know because now i play guitar in like like a bunch of bands but i don't play drums in any so i kind of wish i would have just stayed on drums because man it just the drums were so much fun but playing guitar for logos mortis was cool too because even when i was playing drums winkler and i would like fuck around on guitar writing the music and devin too devin on bass and uh, it just felt right. Because mm-hmm. Sam was also like, yo, can, like, you want to, like, fucking jam? And I was like, yeah, I want to jam. So it, just, it it really was bigger, though, with with two guitars it, and Sam on drums. It definitely was like an evolution in a way. Well, yeah, that, <coughs> pardon me. That's one thing that I wanted to talk about. With Locus Mortis was I, you know, I had the 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 um the opportunity to see you guys play live a lot over the years that you were together here on Long Island, and I felt like I got to see you go through a lot of different sounds. Um, did you did you have a lot of material that you that well you mentioned before that there was material you never got to record, but was there like a lot of material even early on that you kind of discarded along the way, kind of just uh, experimenting with different sounds and styles? You're absolutely right. There was like a there was like a handful of sagas mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, you know, you know, what's funny is after Sam left the band, um, we got our friend Joe Reynolds to play drums. So he was in Locus Mortis for a little bit, too. And but we, we scratched all the old songs and we wrote like a new set list, which is really today the Funeral Dancer songs. Hmm. Because we had a song called Funeral Dancer and we were like, oh, that's the vibe of the... Because it wasn't really death metal anymore. It was kind of like just different black metal rock fucking music. Okay. And and just for the for the listeners, I'll put it to you this way. How how much of Locus Mortis's uh last, you know, final lineup, I'll say, when the band broke up, is in funeral dancer now? Um so our drummer Joe that I was just talking about, he technically wasn't in the last lineup of Locus, but he is in funeral dancer now. And Devin the bass player and Nick Winkler, the guitar player, and myself are all in Funeral Dancer. So it is a lot of the same people as Logos Mortis. So it's a, and Joe played drums like in the end at Logos. He just might wasn't on the recordings, right? It was more like in the middle, the middle end, like the mm-hmm. three quarters of the way through. But nah, he wasn't. You, actually, to tell you the truth, he was on recordings. We just never huh. released him. Interesting. Okay, so a lot going on with Locus Mortis. Um, but for the listeners that you can go and it's funeral hymn. It's not uh, uh, plural. Uh, I, I just um, realized I, I apologize to Winkler. I feel like that's something that, that he wouldn't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but um, uh, so you have the, the, the demo and funeral hymn that, that are available on Bandcamp, at least for people to listen to. And um, you might be able to find some stuff on, on YouTube. But uh, it's fair. <laughs> it's fair to say then that funeral dancer ends up being the, uh, the, the like the totally natural evolution of Locus Mortis. Kinda. Or that I mean, or those musicians. Yeah. yeah, like like there's like five songs that were written in 2017 under the name Funeral under the name Locus Mortis that are now just funeral dancer songs. Okay. And you guys and with and with funeral dancer, you have um if I'm not mistaken, there's a demo to in two thousand nineteen. That's a two song demo that's available on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um and there's also what is there there's new material that's on Spotify? Yes. Okay. Been, I, I got to put it on the Bandcamp. I've I'm been lazy, a little lazy with that. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of I was just saying in the intro there's a few things I got lazy with, man. It happens when you're doing all these different projects and bands. Um But <laughs> but what I'm getting at too is so 2019 is like the first funeral dancer demo, but that's I'm <coughs> sorry, man. It's all good. <coughs> allegedly uh smoking that's what that's the that's that's what they say in 2019 you appear on your first release with false gods that's the serpent and the ladder ep on guitars so take us through joining false gods because for the listeners you can go back we did an interview with mikey stack um uh where he you know he's like kind of like an infamous long island metal scene personality um, I, I think he's a little bit older than me, actually, man. So you, so you wind up in that crew of musicians with false gods. Uh, take us through that. Okay. So basically, uh, 2017. I forget when they put out that first release that they did, but it was around the same time that I was like getting into like doom, like you know, doom metal and shit like that. 
Yeah. It, it was 2016. I just looked it up. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and like me and Johnny were driving in the car on like a spring day, smoking pot, spring night, actually smoking pot. And like, we were listening to the, to the first false gods release. And we were like, wow, this sounds like an exact, like if I hate God and uncle acid had a baby, this, this is literally 50%. I hate God 50% uncle acid, which is two bands we were obsessed with still are obsessed with. And, and uh, okay. So the thing is that Greg, the guitar player on that first album they put a bunch of guitar harmonies and then when i saw them live i was like wow you guys are fucking awesome i wish you had the guitar harmonies Hmm. and i was kind of just like let me do it and then greg was like oh shit we gotta get this kid in the band and (laughs) and like that just basically happened okay so then so then you're in fall scott's what, now, what I'm interested here, like, I want to, um, I have another listener question. I kind of have, like, this inner circle of listeners. Um, uh, it's it's a group group text for my band Reeking Aura, all right? I'm always transparent with the listeners. I don't, um, but um, the, the, Tom Anderer uh, had a question. Uh, Tom, of course, everyone knows Tom Anderer from um, uh, Gray Skies Fallen and Buckshot Facelift and Reeking Aura. Ask Love him... Them. Uh, he says, ask him for a Mikey Stack story and what's up with False Gods. Is he even in that band anymore? I can't keep up. I So, Mikey Stack has a million stories. I'll try to think of one. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's uh, we're in April of 2022 right now. Around Christmas time in 2021, I kind of told the guys I wanted to, to, like, take a little bit of a break just to focus on on like some some projects that I want like have had in my mind for so long that I never got the chance to actually pursue or record just because I've always not had the time and they totally understood they were the nicest that they could possibly be because they were like hey man the door is always open you know if you ever want to like come back I guess and to be honest, they're like going in the studio soon to record two songs for a split, and I kind of want to get on that. So, probably gonna do that. They're they're the fucking best, man. Like they they totally understood. They they know that like they just they they knew what I was trying to say, and they understood. Well, on that note, and I guess trying to get into what I'm talking about with you know with these uh, quote unquote Mikey Stack stories, like he's some infamous crazy guy. I think what we're getting at is that. Um, when you joined False Gods, did you feel ingratiated into a larger family of extended friends that went beyond the band? Oh, yeah, dude. Chilling at Mikey's house, all his friends come over and fucking, you know, you know how it is. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, like when I first joined the band, I didn't know them that well. So over the time of being in the band, they became like. Yeah, I consider them family. I would fucking do anything for those guys. I love those guys. Yeah. And, uh, and they're very close friends now. We're all very close friends. Yeah, I think that's what I'm getting at. When we had Mikey Stack on, I, I kind of was trying to get into some stories with him about, about you know, drinking and, and whatever else. You know, you know, we, we, we had a lot of parties over the years. But I think what I'm getting at here, too, is that 
Um, he was kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's moved and he's, and he's, uh, per, you know, pursuing a different, um, uh, vocation in life and all that sort of thing. All the best to him and his wife. Uh, but you know, for a very long time, he was kind of like the mayor. Um, he, he held court over this, uh, extended network of friends in the Long Island metal and hardcore scene. Um, uh, and, and, you know, him, him and his wife and his family were so welcoming and they also had this kind of very down to earth, uh, three pit bulls. Um, you know, pass out in the backyard if you need to, kind of attitude toward towards things, man. So it was it was a very fun era. Uh, it was the best. He would just refer to it as the house. He's like, You coming to the house? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming to the house. The ranch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Any run ins with those dogs? What was it like meeting all of his dogs? The dogs are really nice. The, well, one uh, the young the youngest one was a little was a little rough. The, little dog. The, the the little the younger pit bull. I, that one that one was a little tough. That's his name. His name's Little Dog. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get yeah. to know that dog. It didn't like me very well. I wasn't coming over as much towards that era. That's probably why, man. Yeah. But me, like Larry David, Little Dog. <laughs> but but uh, uh, yo, that dog actually bit Johnny. But that's because Johnny was being a little, uh, a little rough. Not like, not like rough. Johnny's a total fucking dog lover. He has do- hit both of his like deceased dogs tattooed on his chest. He does. But you know yeah. what? You know what it is. Some some dogs you, you play around a little bit, and they and they play around a little bit more. You know what I mean? exactly no but the dog was like a sweetheart like when i would sleep over there on the couch he'd always jump up on me and fucking like go to bed on me and shit he was he's he's cool dog yeah tom tom ander and and, uh, you just remind tom ander and i when uh mikey stack got married we we slept on his living room floor and i had i had one of his pit bulls next to me in a in a in a rented suit um, for the, for the wedding, I had pit bull hair all over it, man. But that's that's a story for an, uh, another time, man. We're we're way off um topic here, uh. But with false gods, just for the listeners, uh, the false gods material that that you were on is still available out there, and and you know fairly recent too, man. I don't know if you want to get into maybe anything you took from that band because it is a somewhat different style than you had been playing, um. Uh, up to that point uh, with the more like doom metal kind of like, you know, dr- drawn out, like re- atmospheric uh, type of stuff. And um, I don't know if you, if you want to just comment on like what it was like being in that band, not just with the, with the people and the group of friends, but like musically and what you may have taken from it. Yeah, um, it you know, musically, I think I. I definitely grew as a guitar player because. Greg writes like all the songs. I only wrote two False God songs that are on their new album that that hasn't come out yet. But Greg writes all the songs and then he would tell me to just do whatever on top of it, which is really cool to have the freedom to. Hmm. And and his shit's like kind of weird. So huh. just just coming up with like even weirder shit that would sound nice on top of it was fun and and healthy because it just gave me the freedom to like be myself and and not like i i hate sounding like other bands like i always with with whatever project i'm in i i want it to sound like different and uh and false gods was the perfect opportunity to do that because it's not who who sounds like mikey stack nobody nobody no and and well, here's here's a question too, man. Because you know, to, I I I should definitely get into something like this with you at some point in the conversation, um, given your upbringing around guitars. 
Did you feel like joining False Gods? Was you know, False Gods has that like you like you mentioned, like the whole reason you kind of got into the joined the band was the layered sound. You wanted to create help create that layered sound live. It has these layers of guitars with with a lot of washes and different um, tones. Did you feel freedom to maybe experiment with different guitars and different pedals and gear? I don't know if you want to expand on on gear and guitars in general. Sure, I, I fucking I live for that stuff. But but to be honest with you. It was kind of simple. I like I'm not a super super duper gear nerd pedal guy, but to keep it to keep it short and give you the the information you just requested. <laughs> I I always use the amp distortion. I I I like there's a certain sound that when you use a distortion pedal through like clean amp, it sounds really cool and all. But but for me, I just the the natural distortion that's built into the amp always sounds better in my opinion old-fashioned yeah wow and i'd have a little the little channel switch on the amp so i could go to the clean channel too because false gods has some clean parts and then really just throw like a chorus pedal and a reverb pedal and that's basically it what kind of guitar uh for false gods the whole time i use the same guitar it's just an ibanez I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's this Ibanez guitar that my dad bought from the Oceanside Music Store when I was like, I want to say like eight. And it's only like a $700 guitar. So it's not like a shitty guitar, but it's not like super amazing guitar. But at the time when I was a kid, I was like, wow, this guitar is like some really special thing. And my dad was like, be careful with it. Just don't like fuck it up. Yeah. But for some reason, like in my head, I was like, oh, this is like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, to a kid, a 700 guitar, you know, dollar guitar that, you know, if, if I was if I was a kid, that would have been a, a million dollar guitar. You know, that's crazy. It, exactly. It was. Yeah. I, I, I was obsessed. With it. I still am. I play the thing all the fucking time. It was like when I was 16. Uh, I had an elderly aunt who wasn't driving anymore, so she gave me like this 1988 Oldsmobile. You know, it was it wasn't you know it wasn't a hot rod. It wasn't the best. I, you know, I, I they they made fun of me a little bit in high school driving it back and forth. But to me, it felt like a Rolls Royce. You know, it was a car. You know, hell you yeah, yo, I'm the same way. When I got my first car, my parents had just given it to me, and I was super grateful to even be given a car yeah and like i'm that type of person i'm not a car guy i don't give a fuck like as long as it drives and it gets me from point a to point b like right now i have this like fucking another car that they they just happen to give me it's like this red scion little box looking it's like the dumbest looking fucking thing ever <laughs> but i'm not a car guy so i don't care what my car looks like i have like a bunch of cool guitars and shit so that oh, yeah. the car doesn't really yeah, man. Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, just making the point that $700 guitar when you're a kid works, and you're talking about other guitars, man. Um, here's another question I got for you. In Locus Mortis, when you come off of the drum kit and you step up for guitar, what guitar are you using then? That was actually the time where we just switched from six string to seven string. So that was, I it was a Carvin. A carbon, nice. which okay. which um fucking Pat from Thetis uses too. Yeah, he he would that bastard. Okay, he would that bastard. I All love right. him too. Yeah, uh, fucking yeah. It's just so uh, that was what we were we were using. Winkler actually wasn't. He would just tune low enough 
<laughs> to, to uh, which is super cool. Yeah, both yeah, both those guys are cool, man. Both those guys are very cool guitarists. That's that's established. Um, <laughs> I, well, because there's you know there's some guitarists who have a million different guitars, and there's some guitarists who are just like have like one or two old standards. Like what you know, which do you think you lean more towards? Um, you know what it is, man. I have all my guitars are in like different tunings to to match oh. whatever band I use them for. And uh, I do, I do love the seven string. I really, really do. And like, I'm not even gonna go that into what I don't even want to get into like how I got on the seven string, but. I'm just going to say it wasn't corn and it wasn't Meshuggah. Well, it, we got time if you want to, man. I don't know. It's fucking Long Island, man. It was artificial brain. I got to say. Oh, it. <laughs> you can't. Then, Dude, you can talk. You can t- I'm not going to begrudge anybody to, to talk about artificial brain if they want to bring it up, especially if it's if it's related to guitars and music, man. It's fine. We're all we're all adults here. Yeah, um, just being just to be completely honest, like I I always kind of thought seven-string guitars were stupid mm-hmm. until I saw you guys interesting i'm not even just say, i'm not even like saying that to for whatever that's just the honest truth because you know i i actually love corn now but when i was like like growing up i i didn't really fuck with it the new metal sound i was too like into like death metal and black metal to really get down with corn now i i fucking i like corn but <laughs> but yeah the seven string is is great Interesting, because, well, because, because, all right, we're talking about, you know, the 2010s, that's when Artificial Brain was particularly active and, and really, you know, in, um, kind of in a flow of playing a lot of shows and track, we, we, that's when we did our touring, the 2010s, that's also when I know you guys to be kind of coming up, um, and when we were doing a lot with Buckshot, so it's all kind of like clicking in my head now, but that's interesting, not that I was ever one who was playing the guitars in Artificial Brain, but it's really cool to know that at least there was some sort of impact like that, man. Um, and, you know, and, you know, I'll never take anything away from those guys in terms of musical talent, uh, regardless of whatever differences we might've had. But, um, uh, uh, now talking about guitars, you know, you said, you said the, the, the seven string, is there, do you, you know, be in the beginning of the interview, you talked about the blues and some of the stuff you grew up on that you appreciate it more now. Do you ever play music, maybe live or experiment with music that's not metal or not extreme at all? uh not really live but i would totally love to more like more so when i'm just like jamming by myself i'll just play whatever mm-hmm. um yo like in my head i, I want to start like a bunch of different projects because like i would love to do a blues band i would love to do like just weird different shit you know yeah uh, I trust me. I got a pl- plenty of weird projects in my head too, man. One, you know, one day we'll um, get together. <laughs> well, let's talk about the projects that you that you do have grinding now, because we did we 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 touched on Funeral Dancer. Maybe just catch us up to speed with exactly what's going on. Is there any new material coming out or any shows you want to promote? There is. There is new material coming out. We're at Shell Shock Audio. Oh yeah. Is, uh, our friend Chris Rini. He's recording. Our, our next EP. It's just five songs. Uh, Winkler wrote all the songs and they're fucking incredible. 
And I could say that about my band because I didn't write any of these songs. They're fucking amazing. <laughs> nice, man. So Funeral Dancer, um, kind of a, a new music by guys people might be familiar with from their work in Locust Mortis and other Long Island bands uh, coming out soon. And you're also, now, now you know, you talked about your experience with False Gods um, and you've kind of, uh, you know, uh, amicably uh, agreed to, to at least take a break from the band for a little while, but, you know, we're going to see some of your material on the newer album probably. Uh, but uh, False Gods, not to be confused with Blame God, um, another band from Long Island that, that, that kind of falls um, somewhere in the grindcore power violence neighborhood, uh, how how long have you been with Blame God? Since like 2017. Yeah, you know, a while now, right? Um, so let's let's talk about that a little bit because they've been around a while, um, kicking up dust on Long Island and beyond. They've done some traveling. Um, what's it like joining those guys? Because that's kind of like is that like your first experience playing like just kind of like straightforward grindcore or you know however you want to categorize their music? Yeah, I would say so. Like, in a band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, you know, band practice, Locus Mortis, Surgical Strike, even the early days, we'd always jam, like, in a grind fashion just for fun, but we never would actually take that to the stage. So, yeah, Blame God was the is, like, the first grind, grindy band. More, more of, like, probably the most punk band mm-hmm. that I've been in. And those guys were doing it before me, so I was kind of... Uh, I was like the the new guy. Their bass player wasn't uh, doing it anymore, so well, they, they didn't want to do it anymore. They allegedly, I think, had what was it called, Cop Frat, the the oh, the the, yeah. the the alleged DIY venue. Oh, uh, it was real, yeah. yeah. It was Doug's <laughs> Doug and Sam's uh, their little house that yeah. they in Oneonta, you know, that they that they lived at when they went to school there, and they would have parties and shows there all the time well you performed there a few times right yeah any good stories from that place i heard heard it got wild it did get wild yeah there was a lot of good stories um there was one time i think that they called it cop frat versus cancer it was like a cancer benefit show okay and uh pink mass played kidnapped played uh, a bunch of bands played and uh, that was a party, and everyone got really drunk, and that was fun. But but another fun story about Cop Frat is uh, I don't know, it's not even really a fun story. But like we were supposed, we were on tour, and we were we were chilling at the Cop Frat house just because the show in Binghamton was only like an hour and a half away, so we were just hanging out there. But the snow was so bad that we just stayed at the house. It was a uh, blame God noisem. And night fear. We just ended up hanging out at the house the whole day. <laughs> Damn, which is just as fun as doing a show. Yeah, that's, you got to watch that snow upstate, man. Don't don't. You got to tour like down south in the winter and up north in the summer. You got to try to balance it out, man. I know, man. All right, so well, blame God. I understand you guys have recorded um uh, a new release. It's just uh um you don't haven't worked out when it's coming out yet. Not really. I don't. I don't know the full details about that. Okay, but are you on it? I'm on it. It's all recorded. It's I think it's even mastered too. We're just uh, um, waiting for uh, something to happen. Okay, and you popped up recently. I believe it was Easter Sunday. 
There's evidence of this on the on the Hood Five Six YouTube channel. Shout to Lucas Lee. Lucas Lee, <laughs> I love it. I love that dude. I gotta get him. All these people that gotta get on the podcast eventually. He, yo, he would. Yeah, you should get him on it. He, oh God, that, yeah. That we're gonna that we're gonna have to have like a a, a censored like a bleep button or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. That'll, that'll be like late heavy whole podcast late night with Lucas Lee um unfiltered yeah. unfiltered but on on his youtube channel that he's been he's been documenting a lot of stuff uh there's a band cb that you and what is it uh, is it um uh doug and sam it's doug and joe reynolds doug and joe reynolds i couldn't tell who was on drums because you were standing in front of him in the video okay doug and joe reynolds and it's it was it was like a pretty much a straightforward power violence grindcore kind of band man is that is that just something you guys threw together for fun or should we like look out for a, a demo maybe uh both yeah all right hell yeah it's all doug it's all, it's all the mind of doug and like a, a, you know me and joe do our own thing over it sometimes but for the most part it's it's doug's band all right man all right so i i feel like i, I covered most of the bases there with um with the bands i don't know you know before we close out I, I always give you the opportunity to plug and promote anything else that's coming up man and we talked about um june 18th uh, Pink Mass, Blame God, Crippler uh, out in Brooklyn there. People could look out for that. I have one question. Uh, your boy, Sam Sherrick, did shoot me a question to, to, to ask you, man. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. He oh, said, shit. He, <laughs> he said, <laughs> ask him how discovering Linkin Park, Korn, and Tyler, the creator last year, changed his perspective on music. I did not discover Tyler, the creator last year. <laughs> or Linkin Park. But Korn, I'll give him that, yeah. <laughs> No, actually, I'm not even shitting you. Corn is the first heavy band besides like Black Sabbath and Kiss that I ever heard. Huh. Okay. But, uh, and, Makes then, sense. and then like 20 years later, or like 15 years later, I, I just listened to more songs by them. Interesting. Well, all right. All kidding aside. I you know, I've something I kind of enjoy now as I get older is going back and listening to music. I'll even listen to like you know the Shark or WBAB or whatever, and I I I try to hear new things in like you know old older classic rock, which by the way, '90s stuff is classic rock now to my fellow thirty somethings. Um, do you do you seriously like get you know hear something that changes your perspective in, in those type of bands, Lincoln Park or Corn or whatever? Honestly, yeah. Like when I okay, so when I was in high school. I was totally too cool for that kind of stuff, even though I was listening to Linkin Park in like middle school. But uh, yeah, so then in high school and then a little bit after high school, I was I was too cool to listen to it again. But but hell yeah, Hybrid Theory. It's a good album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, like, yeah, well, we talk- there's like undeniably good shit on that record. We talk about new metal uh, from time to time. And it's interesting for me because my, like my gateway when I was like around that age was grunge, and then new metal was kind of like something that that came up when I was in high school and I was already aware of underground music. So I just have a different perspective of it. But I got to realize, and another thing was you mentioned like Guitar Hero in the beginning, and those are both things that I've had to come to respect as I do these interviews with younger artists because I realize how influential uh, uh you know that well that sort of stuff is what about slipknot man were you like were you like over slipknot when they came out or, or you know or when you discovered them because you were already into other metal dude i feel so bad when like people that like aren't into metal the way we are they come up to me and they'll be like yo you like metal 
like, oh, I love Slipknot. Do you like Slipknot? And I'm like, I feel bad. I don't want to break their hearts, but like, I like, I'm not going to, I'm not about to like talk bad about Slipknot or anything like that. But like, I just don't, I don't listen to Slipknot. Neither do I. I mean, I, I have listened to some of their music. Uh, you know, yeah, they got but, sick fucking shit too. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. They're sick. they're sick. They're undeniably sick. Like they're fucking Slipknot. But there's just other stuff uh, out there. Um, well, speaking of which, other stuff, uh, I you know we've reached that point where I I wanted to, I want to pick your brain a little bit about your taste in music. So another typical heavy hole podcast question. I'm going to ask you to recommend one older and one newer release by any artists uh, you like, metal or otherwise. Ooh, you know everyone that like like all my friends already know this, but like fucking transcendence into the peripheral disembowelment all day. That's, wow. That's, that is the go-to old school album for me that I would like to turn people onto because I feel like <clears throat> not enough people know about that. Interesting. You know, cause I'm, I'm in a, I, I, obviously we're both in a few bands with Sam Sherrick, like we said, Exsanguinated? Yeah, ex, the exsanguinated ex, and the exsanguinated guys. It just seems like disembowelment has a big following with this generation, especially around here with, with you guys and your kind of local scene. Is that, That's fair to say, right? Yeah, me and Johnny were hanging out one day and we had, and we were about to go to the city to go see Morbid Angel play Covenant in its entirety. Wow. And we, we're, we're in my shed and we're, and, He's like, okay, take the biggest bong rip you can. Like, okay. <laughs> and we go back in my room and we listen to Disembowelment with the lights off. And he's like, yo, just close your eyes and listen to this shit. Like as loud as it goes. And it was a fucking spiritual experience. It was, and I like, I don't know, man. They're my favorite band ever, like ever since I heard them for the first time. There's nothing sounds like that. They are the most like trippy, psychedelic shit that I've, have ever heard in my life yeah no d- disembowelment is amazing it's just it's, it's just like soul music it's like it has so much soul mm, mm, it has a you lot of I mean? it has a lot of depth but something that always captivates me is it has the brutal low-end vocals it, it's, oh my it's, god I, I love his vocals it has a lot of depth but it, it still anchors you in with the brutal death metal parts you know it's yeah man it's it's really cool shit it's just funny to me because it seems like a very obscure band for a bunch of long island guys to be into but that you know that's from my 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 generation you know what i mean um uh it's it's you know nowadays with the internet and and the, everything's a lot more out there and open man um uh wow all right so what about a newer release man what 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 has popped up on your radar lately that you're psyched about I wish I had time to think of an answer for that because mm. now I'm like going through my YouTube. Oh, they're not that new, but you know, Warthog. I'm not familiar. Oh, Warthog is like this punk band from the city. And they're probably like, I think they're actually like 10 years old by now, maybe a little older, but you know what I mean? Like they're like newer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what new is to me is like the past fucking 15 years. <laughs> That but, yeah, it's, I might think that's from like two years ago, man. If you know, if I don't think about it hard enough, man, trust me. Exactly, but they're really good because they sound like they almost have that like '50s sound that like the Misfits kind of do, like that that doo-wop like sound. But they like 
don't get me wrong, they don't have the doo-wop sound, but they almost have that like fucking rock and roll sound. Vintage sound. Vintage. Yeah, I think Warthog is one of the like realist bands doing it right now. Huh. All right, Warthog, man. All right. Um, I'll check There's a few more. Uh, I just wish that I could fucking remember. Yeah, Devil Master's sick too. Devil Man. That's another band that I'm not really familiar with, man. A lot of bands I got to check out still. You know, there's, there's so much shit nowadays, dude. There's always new shit. Every day there's new metal releases. There is. I feel like I'm really missing, like, a lot of big ones, too, and I feel bad because I would <laughs> love to mention them. Don't, man, because we always lim- we always just say one or two, man. It's fine. Um, and I, I, I'm going to recommend some music, too, at the end of this episode, man. It's fine. Um, but, uh, Nick... You know, like I said before, we plugged your show. Um, we said Funeral Dancer. Uh, you you guys are uh, have some new material coming out. Blame God, you have an album that's kind of just like you know in the oven, about to come out. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what CB does. Is there anything else that you want to plug or promote in terms of your music? Nah, we kind of covered it all. I mean, Funeral Dancer has a couple shows coming up. You know, if anyone even hears this by the time, but May seventh at Shakers. Okay. We are playing with this band called Lang from Taiwan. They're coming all the way from fucking Taiwan. That's right. I I said I, I pointed this out to a few people when I saw this for I saw on on Facebook. Um uh there was a an ad for their their tour. Yeah, so Lang from Taiwan and they're touring with like another kind of epic metal band from from what from Massachusetts. Yeah, they're called like <clears throat> D-Z-O-N-G-A. I don't I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce that or something. Yeah, they're like okay. another like extreme like black metal type band. I just want Long Island to come out for that because it's so interesting to me that a black metal band from Taiwan is traveling all the way to the United States to play Shaker's Pub in Oakdale. I know, I, right? I feel <laughs> bad because because you know, I'm not gonna lie, they did they they didn't really promote it well. And I'm saying they, like like I'm part of the show too. I, I should have promoted it well too but the guy like never made a flyer and i know that's not an excuse like i should just should have just made a fucking flyer myself well well the heavy hole is going to promote it um because i it's just i i really just hope that those guys don't uh, are not under the impression that they're playing new york city (laughs) you know what i mean oh i I know man i i I hope a lot of people come out too that east long island vibe is very special sometimes for um for for our out of out of state guests, man. So we want to give them a warm welcome May seventh at Shakers Pub in Oakdale, man. Uh, and we will be promoting that show, of course. Um, anything else you want to talk about uh, in terms of uh, uh, upcoming shows? Uh, yeah, man. Let's talk about what you got coming up. <laughs> well, this weekend, if the listeners are listening to this on Friday in real time when it's uploaded, Afterbirth's going to be playing um, Rot- <laughs> Rochester with Internal Bleeding. Oh, um, hell yeah. And Undeath and Mutilatred at the Bug Jar. Yeah, so if, if you happen oh, to be... That'll be a good show. We're looking... I mean, we've been looking forward to this for a long time because after birth, um, you know, we, we, we don't get opportunities. Well, we, we don't get... We can't take all, every opportunity to play live that comes along, so it was great that we were able to get get along on this one. Um, <laughs> and besides that, Exsanguinated looking to get out there. Um, I don't know that we have anything to announce yet, but we've been talking about a few things behind the scenes uh, for Exsanguinated, so we'll we'll see what happens, man. And Reeking Aura, that album, um, the first single from the Reeking Aura album should be out uh, on social media and, and, and so forth in the next few weeks, and that album will be out on Profound Lore Records this summer, so we're looking forward to that. And, uh, 
you know, that, that's about it, man. Ho- hopefully uh, things will pop up uh, this summer, man, you know, with, with uh, Afterbirth, Exsanguinated, or Reeking Ore. We'll see what happens. And Buckshot Facelift, man, I, I thought I was going to bring it back, man, but I can't find anybody to play for me, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, if I, I like... I'm busting your balls, man. I'm totally busted. For the listeners, I had asked Nick if he would be interested in playing like you know live guitar um, to fill in if Buckshot Facelift was able to do something because the other guys are so busy. But that's uh, that's definitely a back burner idea. I wouldn't hold my breath for that happening anytime soon, man. Especially with Reeking Ore doing stuff, man. So I'm just I'm busting your balls, Nick, man. Don't, I'm not putting. No, you on I the know, spot. I know. Yo, the, really though, the original guys should fucking do it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I said, man. But that's but, what I'm saying. I would love to go. I I would fucking be at every show. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk to Big Fergus and and Tom and and um Rick and Terrell, man. But they, you know, those guys grew up and I didn't. That's that's the bottom line with that, well, man. Tom's so, got a kid now. Yeah, I I know. I'm gonna be there on the floor with you know with Tom's kids, man, like a little baby. But um, <laughs> try play a show. Come to rehearsal. Wham. But <laughs> but enough about me, man. And Nick, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate your 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 stories, man. And um, learning more about your bands and your perspective, man. It's been really awesome having you on the podcast. Um, and and shout out to all the people that we we brought up, man. All of our friends in common that we that we talked about with you know Nick Winkler and Sam Sherrick and Johnny and everybody. Fuck them. Nah, they know we love them. <laughs> Yo, I just want to say that this was fucking so much fun. I like never really did a podcast i've done like two like like in this is my first podcast in like four years wow and i and i've only done like two podcasts before this one so i'm totally gonna like listen back to this in like a year and be like wow i i was like talking so awkward and nervous <laughs> nah but dude like fucking you you were really you had all the questions and shit that was really good <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's um, you know, it's just out of a love for the music and the local scene, man. And I'm glad that we could get you in here to talk about your bands, and you know, eventually we'll we'll segue into some of those other guys, and they'll talk shit about you and everything. It'll be the circle of life, just oh, like be great. Like, It'll be fucking awesome, just like Sir Elton John put it, the circle of life. Um, but but Nick, uh, we appreciate you, man, on the heavy hole, and uh, the listeners and I are going to be um looking out for funeral dancer, uh, blame God, and even CB. And we're definitely going to check out Funeral Dancer with Lang, uh, May 7th at Shaker's Pub in New York, man. We're going to give him that old welcome, man. Uh, Nick, I, I, I appreciate him. I'll talk to you, dude. There's one thing we forgot. What's that? We got to tell everybody that you're on the Funeral Dancer EP. That's right. That's right. That's right. I didn't know, you know how much you wanted to uh, divulge with that. So, yes, hidden bonus secret. Um, I, I do make an appearance on one song on that Funeral Dancer EP. Um, That's right. I, I was glad. And t- Tom from this podcast, actually, here's like a, a, a little lore. The voc- my guest vocal spot was recorded in Tom's podcast studio. Tom, the producer of Heavy Hole Podcast, uh, who couldn't be with us at this moment, but is going to still be, you know, producing this episode. So I'm glad we were able to tie that up, even though the I think that was still during the pandemic, right? It was, yeah. yeah. We didn't meet up for that. You just like sent it over. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. So yeah, it, it, you, you can. Um, uh, you can always uh, check. I, I had to weasel my way in there somehow, man, and to try to ride the coattails of uh, of the next generation. Um, I'm on it too, man. So people can the always only check guest that out. spot. Yeah, the only guest spot, and it'll probably be the only guest spot we have. I, I all kidding aside, I appreciate it, man. Uh, humble to appear on it, man, and I appreciate you coming on the show too, Nick. I'm fucking humbled to appear here. Yeah.
Okay, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Nick Luizzi of Funeral Dancer, uh, Blame God, and CB, um, his grindcore band that we saw on the Hood 5-6 YouTube channel. Uh, shout out to everybody that we shouted out again during that interview, man. Great to talk to Nick um, uh, and learn a little bit more about those projects. And, of course, May 7th, we're going to be at Shaker's Pub uh, checking out Lang. Lang from Taiwan, um, black metal band from Taiwan, visiting us here in Suffolk County, Long Island. Man, let's give them a warm welcome, uh, along with uh, Funeral Dancer, Nick's band. And um, now, moving forward, as I told you guys uh, before, I was being facetious. Uh, big shout out to Justin and Tom. I, you know, I couldn't get them on the program this week. We had a little last-minute schedule conflict with a guest, um, uh, and, and we're going to run that Nick interview. Um, so... Uh, what I wanted to do, though, I got a, a, an email here that kind of coincided with an album I discovered that I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to read this email. Uh, I'm not going to read anyone's last name or their email address, but big shout out to a listener named Cody who dropped us um, this email. Hey, guys, I just revisited the episode you did with John Osgood, and it got me thinking about my own experience with Christian metal. I grew up in a household that thought anything that wasn't worship music was a tool of the devil, and there was never really any music scene out here. I managed to go see some Christian rock bands, Thousand Foot Crutch and Skillet, with my youth group, and that's what led me towards the heavier stuff. This was back around the very start of YouTube when it was a lot harder to find stuff, so being a broke middle schooler, I ended up relying on a website called Jesus Freak Hideout. Still up and running if you guys want a bit of reference for what I was working with. That's interesting. And LimeWire to get my hands on anything good. Through that, I managed to find bands like Demon Hunter, Living Sacrifice, The Devil Wears Prada, Zao, August Burns Red, and As I Lay Dying. I was really the only Christian kid around who was into that kind of stuff, so I ended up using some of those bands to connect with the metalcore kids, and I got introduced to the big deathcore bands. Eventually, I stopped being a Christian, went down the death and black metal wormholes, and wound up getting into brutal death metal, but I still find myself going back to those old albums that started it all for me. Anyway, I'll shut up before I really start rambling. Just wanted to share a slightly younger perspective. Keep the dirty side down. Whoa. Well, Cody, thank you for sharing your experience uh, with us on the Heavy Hole podcast. Um, and I, f I find that interesting, you know, because I've always, on the podcast, you mentioned the John Osgood episode. That's our Christian metal episode that we did very early on in our podcast history, if people want to go back. And I have brought up the topic of Christian metal from time to time. Ever since we did that episode, and the reason why I did that first Christian metal episode, I, I've always been fascinated by the topic of Christian metal, particularly Christian death metal or Christian black metal or Christian extreme metal, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I don't, I don't identify as a Christian myself. Um, I was, I was sent to Catholic school as a young kid. Um, I don't know that my family was ever particularly religious or, you know, we never really, really celebrated a particularly spiritual holiday or prayer service on Sunday or anything like that. But um, the idea of, uh, bands kind of, I guess, bucking the norm in extreme metal and using it as a form of gospel music in a way. Um, I always appreciate kind of outsider novelty, you know, like, you know, weirdo things, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, just anything that's kind of, on, you know, on the outside or peculiar or, you know, I don't, these guys are just kind of, they're doing it from a very different angle, Um but I do appreciate the integrity with which they do it. I look at bands like Broken Flesh uh, and Mortification in particular. Those are probably my two favorite examples of Christian death metal bands. 
And um, <clears throat> Mortification, really, I've always been a proponent of Mortification, at least their first two albums, maybe two or three albums on the podcast, as being excellent technical death metal albums, regardless of how you feel about spirituality. I've said that before. And Broken Flesh, um, if you don't know about Broken Flesh, one of the best extreme brutal death metal bands that I would say in the last 20 years that I've heard. I mean, they had uh, the the album War, I believe it's... War, Warpath or Warbound. I'm on the spot right now, but Warbound, I believe, is the album um, uh, by Broken Flesh, death metal band. Um, one of the top brutal death metal albums I've ever heard, man. Uh, really excellent album. So regardless, what I'm getting at here is I wanted to recommend something that I heard recently and was able to track down for a fairly inexpensive price on Discogs. Actually, I think, did I get, or did I get it on eBay? Who knows? Day of Atonement from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, uh, a band from the late 90s that is now broken up, um, which consists of two uh, kind of later era members of Mortification, one, of, one being Phil Curless Gibson, on drums, who was actually, um, I don't know that he was the second drummer of Mortification, but he was the drummer of Mortification on Blood World, uh, which was the album following post-momentary affliction, if I got that right. Um, so let me just double, let me just fact check that for you guys for a minute. Yes, Blood World, the 1994 full-length album by Mortification, which... For me personally, the first two albums, Scrolls of the Megaloth and Post-Momentary Affliction, were like the real, uh, true, uh, brutal, technical death metal mortification. But Blood World is an interesting album. Um, for me, the vocal approach uh, is is maybe why why it, it doesn't rate as high as the first two albums, but there's still a lot going on there, especially if, if you're listening for drums and musicality. So... Um, same drummer as a, a Blood World uh, Mortification, that would be uh, Phil Curlis Gibson. And Lincoln Bowen, this guy's very interesting. He's a guitarist who actually, what he was never, I don't know that, well, he was never on an album in Mortification with that drummer, but he joined on the next album, Envision Evangeline, and he actually played guitar on a number of Mortification releases throughout the late 90s all the way up to... 2015's uh, 15's Realm of the Skeletor, so longtime Mortification guitarist um, Lincoln Bowen teaming up with Phil Curlis Gibson, who performed on Mortification's Blood World. They had this short-lived band, Day of Atonement, who released an album, uh, Cremation of the Guilty, um, on uh, it says Screams of Salvation Records. I was able to get a copy, um, uh, like I said, fairly, fairly uh, uh, affordably, and it's really cool stuff. When I was reading about it, it was billed as um, kind of a metalcore or deathcore release. I got to disagree with that. It sounds like um, almost the way you, you, you credit regional scenes popping up in the 90s. Uh, it sounds like a band that was heavily influenced by Mortification. Uh, that's pretty obvious with these guys' pedigree in the band Mortification, but um, it's it, you can hear the mortification influence even in the vocals. They do a cover off of Blood World uh, by mortification by mortification on the album, and there are like there's one song in particular. I think it was the sixth song in where you do hear some some of what at the time in the late '90s would have been more conventional deathcore. Uh, tropes going on but for the most part this to me was a very solid old school death thrash album very well written and um for me as someone who always enjoyed scrolls of the megaloth and post-momentary affliction by mortification as interesting technical death metal albums this day of atonement 
album really um, hit, hit a chord, uh, no pun intended, you know, it really hit a sweet spot. So I got to recommend Cremation of the Guilty by Day of Atonement as another Christian extreme metal album um, that uh, I think is, is, is worth recommending regardless of where you stand in terms of your spirituality or anything like that. So the same way uh, I can listen to bands like Immolation and Incantation and Deicide and uh, maybe not necessarily worship Satan or um, perform occult rituals myself, I also don't really have any uh, qualms about listening to a Christian metal band or um, anything like that. So I just wanted to get into that and read that listener um, email shout to Cody. We appreciate your listenership. You can always email us at heavyholepodcast at gmail.com or get in touch with us at any of the uh, social medias that we're on. Um, check us out on Instagram and uh, Twitter and all that. I don't know if Tom even checks up on the Twitter anymore, man. Twitter's a little weird, but we got heavyholepodcast.com. You can check us out on all the platforms, Spotify and iTunes and Google and whatever you want out there, man. And we, ha- we have a Patreon with some bonus episodes cooking if you want to check us out on there. But um, this has been the Heavy Hole Podcast. So shout out to my guest tonight, Nick Louisi. Shout out to Tom and Justin, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight because of my own scheduling conflict. And um, that leaves me down to just one. one, one, one.